Okay, let's take a look now. Is one better? Um, or is two better? Two for sure. Okay, great. Let's take another look. Is one better? Um, or two? Two. Thank you for the opportunity, God, just to gather together, Lord, to celebrate you and to lift you up. Father, we lay our lives open before you, and our anticipation, our expectation is that you're going to speak to us today, that you, God, are going to move in our lives today, that each one of our campuses are going to experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit in a new dimension, that, Lord, all, all, of, all of our campuses, all four, God, are going to be growing together pursuing you and having you, Father God, uh, Lord, move in our city and in our neighborhoods and in our lives, God, in 2012 as never before. Lord, we are just, we, we anticipate the good things that you have for us. We anticipate, God, that, that, Lord, on our best day, using our greatest imagination of how good it could be, Lord, you want to blow that away with what you have planned for us. So, Father, we, we open our lives to you. We open, God, expectation. Father, we just ask today, do all that you have in mind to do. And everyone who agrees at all campuses say, amen. amen. So I want to welcome everybody that's tuning in, no matter how you're listening, no matter where you're coming from, whether it be live at one of our campuses or whether you are live streaming us or whether you hear this message in a delay through CD, podcasting, however you're a part of the greater JFC family, we are glad that you are here and that you are uh, a part of it. It is the last message in the series, uh, I Exam. We're talking about the examined life. And in your notes, under the transition, uh, we titled it Well Check. We titled it with the idea that um, what we're supposed to be doing is uh, examining ourselves on an ongoing basis. We used the thought Well Check. If you go to the doctor, you know that most insurance companies usually do a Well Check, what they call for free. And what they want you to do in a Well Check is just to stay on top of your health. How are you doing? Uh, how are you progressing? How is everything going in your life? And most insurance companies pay for that for free. It's kind of an interesting uh, thought. So we use the idea that we should, as believers, be doing a well check. We shouldn't wait till we're in a crisis to check how we're doing. We shouldn't wait until everything's bad to, uh, to figure out what's going on. I met with uh, one of the groups in our church, our security team recently, and... Um, uh, the leader of our team, Raleigh Rhodes, uh, brought up, he said, you know, our group is a group, the, the security team. He said, it's only really during a crisis that people know that we're uh, around. I, I thought in my mind, I wonder how many believers see God that way. It's only during a crisis that we realize he's around and we're not paying attention on an ongoing basis, how God is everywhere all the time in our lives and wanting to touch each part of our lives and wanting to be involved in each part of our, our lives. So today, we're going to be talking about, uh, in the final message, well check and planning to stay healthy spiritually. And I had, a, I had an interesting thought. Um, you know, we have taught through this series, if you remember, uh, different ways. The very first one was um, to examine yourselves. And we used the scripture from the Old Testament, Haggai, where, where the prophet says, examine your ways. You sow a lot, but you reap a little. 
You eat, but you're not filled. You drink, but it doesn't quench your thirst. You're, you're sowing, but you're not really reaping. And the little bit that you are sowing ends up in a bag that has holes in it. And I wonder how many of us, you know, again, if we're not examining, we're doing all of the stuff, but we're not examining the return. We're not examining what God is doing in our lives. And because of that, we just wear ourselves out without ever really progressing. So we, we talked about that in one of the very first messages. Then we went to Hebrews, and we talked about, um, Paul says, pay careful attention or examine um, what you've been taught to make sure that you're not drifting. And, and those, those two things combined, you know, whenever I'm, I'm in the middle of a series, I'm always asking God, hey, show me how these things work in everyday life. Give me examples. Give me ways that I can help relate it, not only to how, I, how I'm seeing it, but how then when I'm teaching, I can show people. And Chris and I um, recently, uh, we had a gift certificate to go to a hotel in Manitou Springs. And I won't name the place, because what I'm about to do is not a, a, a nice thing. Um, so I'll leave it to, to the imagination. I know that some of you know. But uh, we, we were given a gift certificate to go to a hotel in Manitou Springs. We got away for, for a couple of days. And it has been, uh, over the years, it's been one of our very favorite places to go. In fact, here's, here's how we have viewed this hotel. Somebody introduced it to us about seven or eight years ago by giving us a, a weekend uh, at the hotel. We went down and enjoyed it so much that we then began to use it as our like most romantic escape that we could go to. And whenever we had an opportunity to give it as a gift to somebody, we would give it as a gift to, to another couple to get away. We've actually done uh, a staff retreat there a couple of different times over the years. It's become one of our favorite places. But when we were there this last time, one of the things that we noticed is they were in dire need of, of some type of upgrade to the hotel. They had drifted. It was a place that, that was resting on their reputation. And their reputation, here's, here's the thing about reputation. It, it creates momentum in our lives. And momentum is one of those things that can begin to carry you in a direction without you having to try very hard. You know, you work hard to get momentum. Once you get it, momentum is one of those things, it'll carry you at 100 miles an hour. But here's the problem. It can carry you in the wrong direction at 100 miles an hour. You don't have to pay attention all of a sudden, and so the ability to drift. And I'm thinking spiritually, is that true for us, where we have these experiences with God, where he does these tremendous things in our lives, where he moves in a very powerful way, or, or we connect with him in a very wonderful way, and momentum takes over, but we don't pay attention. And, and here's what we do. We rest on the reputation, or we rest on the past. And we're not paying attention. What, and so all of a sudden, momentum takes over. And because we're not paying attention, we can begin to drift. Momentum can take you off course in a direction very far away from where you actually want to end up. So we're at the hotel. And, and this place had been, as I said, I, I, maybe our most favorite place to get away to. But what we had noticed is that um, they slowly began to drift. And this last time, it was just evident that, that um, for instance, uh, the pieces of trim had fallen off and and rather than rather than even replace them they were just laying there unpicked up i mean it was that the fireplace grate had been bent and pulled forward and no one had bothered to come back in and to to fix it and then two bugs ended up in the bed with us in the in the middle of the night um it, yeah i know exactly exactly i 
I, I don't know if you've ever had that wonderful experience of, of in the dark, something's crawling on you. And it's not your wife. So it's... <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's not a good experience. All right. So <clears throat> I... Uh, I don't know if you're aware of TripAdvisor. Anybody ever heard of TripAdvisor? TripAdvisor is one of these deals where you can go on and you can write a review of a restaurant or a hotel or, you know, here, here, wouldn't it be interesting if they did uh, Church Advisor? Yeah, just, just a thought. I, 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 there might be something to that right there. And if that comes out in the next year, I say right now, copyrighted John Leach. Okay, so no one can... All right, so here's... So, so what you do with, with, with TripAdvisor, Travel Advisor, you, you go on to whatever place that you're staying at, restaurant, hotel, uh, airlines, you can do it with really about anything that has to do with traveling, but you write the review, and then you can take pictures, and what I did was I took pictures of, of the things that were just... I, I mean, the... the, the uh, the shades in the room were were mismatched and broke. I mean, there's just things that this hotel, which had been in my mind at the upper echelon of a place that you wanted to get away to, and has such a tremendous reputation. And here's the deal: we were we we normally can't even afford to go to it. Their minimum cost is a $300 per night deal, and up from there, it was given to us as a gift certificate, so that we were at a place where like. To get away, this is so special, and their reputation has carried them so far. So here's, here's my guess. A, the, the owners of the hotel have sold it to someone else, or they've run out of money, or they've had a change in management, and the manager is not on top. The owner is probably removed from the situation, and the manager is not on top of it. But the bottom line, what I would say to you in the whole thing is that ultimately they had this tremendous reputation where, where um, you know, if we equated it to spiritual things, we would say they were blessed, man. They had, they had more than they knew what to do with, and you couldn't even, if you called, you were on, you were months out trying to get into a hotel that's charging 300 a night minimum. Imagine. And now it's come to this place where, where they have allowed that reputation to be the thing that continues to carry them, and I would make this statement to you. Another year or two years tops, and that place will be out of business. It'll be bankrupt. Something will happen to it because you cannot survive on your reputation only. Eventually, it catches up to you, and you, you'll find yourself in trouble with that. All right, so wh- where in the world, Pastor, would you go with that in this? How many of us are surviving on our reputation spiritually? How many of us are are holding on to uh, the past as good as it is. You know, many times we talk about the past, it's always in a negative connotation. But can I say, you know, when we serve God, generally speaking, I've got a wonderful past after Christ. God's given me a wonderful life, and I look back at my past after Christ, and I've got a great past. But how, how much of us, or how, how many of us rely on that? God wants that fresh thing to be happening in our lives. Not, not allowing, uh, boy, I, there's just so much to say to that, that idea right there of, of, you know, you begin to just go, hey, it, it's, God's done this great thing and I don't have to pay attention to it and it's always going to be there. 
you know, you recognize God's not obligated. God wants it fresh in our lives. That's why Jesus in Revelation teaches, measure the height from which you've fallen and go back to that first love. Pay attention, man. Make sure this thing is happening in your life. So that's what we've been talking. Does that make, make any sense? I just thought the Lord had really shown that to me, and I, I just thought it was, I, I know it's a little bit scary in a way, but I, I think we need to be paying attention. All right, so um, we're going to talk about well check. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Find it in your notes. Paul writes these words, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be, what does it say? Transformed. Okay, so don't be conformed, but be transformed. And then he gives how transformation takes place by the renewing of your mind so that you're able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right, so, so get this. We are not to be conformed or pressed into the mold. That's what it literally means. We are not to be pressed into the mold of this world, but we are to be transformed to be like the other world so that then we live out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right, who, who would love to live every day good, acceptable, and perfect? Yeah, yeah right, no, no brainer. Okay, so it is possible to do it. A couple of thoughts on that scripture. Uh, number one, because of the way this is written, see if you can agree with this statement, it's possible to be conformed to this world even though you are a new creation. You agree with that? Yes. See, I think a lot of people don't get that, and I think a lot of people tend to, back to that coasting thing or, or that momentum thing, we're born again, and it's on autopilot. And that's just simply not the truth. It is extremely possible, according to the way this is written, to be conformed to this world even though you are a new creation. And this is maybe where disappointment happens in the life of a believer is that people go, gosh, I read about or I hear about all the good things that are happening for somebody else. Why isn't it happening in my life? Why isn't this taking place? And I would say to you, listen, you, you, when you die, you're going to go to heaven because of the work of Jesus. But the abundant life that he wants you to have right now, you're not going to enter into it unless you are transformed. Transformation is the only guarantee of walking in abundant life. Abundant life, when, when Jesus promises abundant life, uh, that promise is not just automatic. Okay, I promised it, you're going to have it. It's more, my pastor taught it this way, and I thought it was really interesting. He said it's more of the idea of being given a coupon. You're given a coupon for something, but until you take it and use it, redeem it, that coupon is not the, he, he used it with the idea of a Big Mac. If he gave a coupon for a free Big Mac, you don't eat the coupon. The coupon doesn't help you. You take the coupon to McDonald's in exchange for a Big Mac. Same thing is true then when we talk about transformation. The work of Christ makes transformation possible. He gives us the ability or the coupon, but until we cash it in, until we activate it or walk it out, we don't eat of it. We just have the right to it. And so the right to it, it well, that's wonderful. Well, the hell, every believer has the right to it. How many people are exercising the rights? People are walking in it or eating of it. So it's possible to be conformed to this world even though you're a new creation. So if that's true, then I put down transformation and renewal are to be present tense in your life. They have to be ongoing. It's not simply I'm born again, therefore it's all on automatic pilot. It is an ongoing experience. And here then becomes the most important thing. Most of us have probably had times in our life where we've had this really powerful outpouring and touch of the Holy Spirit. 
But if you're only referring to those experiences in the past tense rather than the present tense, there, therein is what you need to measure. You're, you're coasting or you're letting momentum from the past carry you. God wants you to have something fresh now. So really, the idea of transformation and renewal, I put it in parentheses right here. Here is my thought. We're supposed to be being renewed for the rest of our lives. It's not a one-time or a camp or a, a uh, you know, we had this some type of meeting, a, a men's retreat or a woman's retreat or this special speaker. Every day, we've got to be renewed. Every day, it's got to be happening in our lives. So maybe another way theologically to explain it would be this. Positionally, see if this makes sense. Positionally, in the spirit. Am I, am I going too deep? Uh, you know, at our church, I'm not sure. Sometimes when I say those, I, 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 we have not developed like, let's have an intense theological debate every time we preach. We like to just put it in gear and go. So, so let, me, let, me, let me back up. Positionally, theologically speaking, the work of Christ is complete. When, when Jesus said, it is finished, do you believe it's finished? Yes. Nothing to be added to it. Nothing more needs to be done. Jesus, when, when there's a period at the end of the sentence, done. So the work positionally, when we stand before God, the work is done. He looks at us. He sees us not only where we are. He sees us where we're going to be when it's all said and done. That's really powerful. So positionally, the work is complete. But practically, uh, see if you can agree with this. Positionally, it's true that the work of Christ in our lives is a complete work. Practically, we are in the ongoing process of becoming. Anybody in here becoming? Anybody frustrated with how slow becoming can be? Anybody? I mean, that trips me and, and frustrates me and messes me up more than, than a lot of things because I, I, I am used to the fast food mentality in most of my life, including spiritual things. You know, sort of like pull up to the window and order, or, or the, the, the box order, drive up to the window and pay, and then pull up to the next one and get it. I mean, prayer it, for most Americans is that way. Pray, you're at the little box, <laughs> give your tithe, and then pull up and pull out. Here's my thing, let me go. And I, that it messes us up because transformation transformation in some areas of our lives is supposed to take a lifetime the destination really is not the goal the journey then becomes the goal walking with him every day is supposed to be the issue i put as an illustration to understand that see if this makes sense 28 years ago i became chris's husband 28 years ago the the fact is positionally I became her husband. Done deal. It's legal. But then the next sentence right behind that is the one that I want you to pay attention to. Every day, though, I'm becoming a good husband. Does that make sense? Okay. Legally, legally, 28 years ago, I became her husband. It's a done deal. No matter how you look at it, I'm her husband. But over the 28 years, I become a good husband. So, so spiritually speaking, when we're born again, legally, it's a done deal. Heaven is 
done. You are a new creation. Everything that God promised you is yes, but since then you've been walking, trying to go through the process of becoming. Do you get that? I mean, if you're married, how true is it to say that whenever your anniversary date was, it was legal, you were married then, but, I, I mean, ladies, help me out. He, he's probably learned along the way. Chicken, scaredy, like, you get a few little uncomfortable, <laughs> not you, come on. You know, as well as I, yes or no, all right, men, we'll do it the other way. Your anniversary date, legally, she was your wife, but you, if, if you can say that the very best day of our marriage was the day we got married, and it's just gone downhill since then, you recognize the problem with that, right? That's sad. Who said sad? Sad. I wonder how many people spiritually live like that, though. Where the, the you know, I mentioned in one of the messages, uh, the wedding days, the fun day. 50 years is what's hard. Making babies is fun. Raising healthy adults is hard. Coming to Jesus is the most wonderful experience in the world. Discipleship costs everything. Does that make sense? So as we teach on these things and we're talking about how we measure and, and, and planning to, to examine our lives. All of these things become really pertinent. Here's the bottom line. We are always supposed to be progressing. When you get to heaven, then you've arrived. Does that make sense? When you get there, then you've arrived. All right, how about this? Transformation only happens through a renewed mind. Transformation is only possible through a renewed mind. Here is my definition of a renewed mind. A renewed mind becomes consistent in thinking the way God thinks. That's what a renewed mind is. You're not there until that is taking place in your life. A renewed mind must become consistent in thinking the way that God does. How about this? You cannot afford to have a thought in your head that God doesn't have in his. Now, now notice the wording there. I didn't say you can't do it. Because how many of you would agree that probably every day we have thoughts that God doesn't have? I mean, the way I think that you really know you're born again is that you recognize the way I think and the way that God says it's supposed to be don't always line up. The Bible says that this natural mind is at war. Any of you ever fought that battle? Are you fighting that battle? The way I wrote it, I didn't say it's impossible to have a thought in your head that God doesn't have. What I said is you can't afford. It is expensive. It is costly. It, it, is, it begins to exact a toll on your life when you are in opposition to what God wants you to do. A renewed mind 
reflects the reality of another reality. I know. Huh? Huh? Okay, say it one more time. A renewed mind reflects the reality of another reality. Okay, Mark chapter 9, verse 2 through 3. I taught on this in a series a while back, but I'm reminded of the truth of this when I look at the idea of examining our life and staying healthy. A renewed mind reflects the reality of another reality. Okay, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. Pay attention. He was transfigured before them. So if you've got a pen, you've got a highlighter, pencil, whatever you got, capture the word transfigured. It's a really important word right now. He was transfigured before them. Here's what happened. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Okay, I put in your notes the same Greek word in Romans 12.2 is the same Greek word in Mark 2. Okay, Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be, what's the next word? Okay, you got your pen, your highlighter, whatever you've got. The word transformed is the exact same word as transfigured. Absolutely no difference. It is the exact same Greek word. Okay, don't, don't get lost. Don't let your mind wander and drift. Pay attention so you don't drift. Okay, let's examine this. Okay, so Paul teaches in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have an example of what Jesus did when he was transformed. The Bible says he was transfigured before them. Okay, what happened? The power of God, the presence of God shows up with Jesus and three of his disciples, and the Bible says it was such a powerful experience that Jesus was changed. He began to shine or to reflect or to radiate the presence of God. Okay, what does it mean ultimately? When we are transformed in our minds, the transfiguration that should be happening, the world should be able to receive the reflection of the reality of another reality. Are you following me right here? When we're in the presence of God, when we're in this relationship with, when we are being transformed, when it's actually taking place, when we examine our lives and we allow the examination process so, so that God is in an ongoing capacity changing us, what should be happening? People should be aware of the fact we're reflect the greatest proof that God exists should be your life. Does that make any sense? Any, anybody that says, how do you know that God exists? You should be able to say, look at me. Well, that's dangerous right there. But it, I mean, think about it. We are supposed to reflect the reality of another reality. And until that happens, I'm wondering, you know, the, the Bible says, arise and shine. Arise and shine what? I say we're supposed to be reflecting the reality of that reality. He's changing my life. And look, you can see it's tangible. To be transformed is to be transfigured. I thought that was really, really good. You know, so our prayer then would be this. God, I want to reflect. I want to reflect the relationship. But here's the thought. You can't. There's nothing you can do. The moon, how do, how do I explain? The moon 
has no capacity in and of itself to be anything other than the reflection of the sun. The moon is, is, there's not a switch that turns on and off. It has no internal mechanism by which it shines. All it can do is reflect. I, I would say to you, your life, your life is fully only alive in the reflection of how great God is. You reflect the world you are most aware of or in contact with. Because you were designed to be a reflection, here's the deal, you're going to reflect something. Your, your thoughts are a reflection of the world you're most in contact with. Your words are a reflection of the world that you have been spending time with. Your attitude is a complete reflection of the truth you've been studying. Do you hear me? All that you're doing is a reflection of the world you are most in touch with. Which world are you most in touch with? I, I, I have taught, I, I believe this to be true with everything that's in me, there are two troughs we get to choose where we're going to eat and drink from every day. There's the trough of this world and there's the trough of that world. And you're to be the reflection of the reality of another reality. If you spend all of your time at ABC, NBC, CBS, Denver Post, you know, I'm just, if that's, if that's your source of what's happening in the world, then guess what you're going to reflect? Everything that Brian Williams said last night. Every belief that Ted Turner has. Then again, if your trough that you ate from this morning was the mercy of God and the glory of God and the grace of God and the power of God, guess what you're going to reflect? And then here becomes the thing. This is, when it, this is why you can't have a leg in the world and a leg in heaven. You've got to be one or the other because you can't be diametrically, a house divided against itself can't stand. You either reflect heaven or you reflect the earth, but you can't reflect both. A stream can't be both pure and polluted. Does that make sense? So we become reflections of the world that we are most aware of or in contact with. That is part of the examined life. That's why well check becomes important. What are you reflecting? How about this? Sometimes we're not aware of what we're reflecting. Do you believe that's possible? I, I in teaching, think to myself, you know, part, part of my job that is so important is that when I sit up here, um, I'm entitled to an opinion, but I've got to be very careful when I give my opinions in leading a group of people. Because I, here, here's, here's what I've been charged with. My whole thing in leading thousands of people, I better be reflecting Christ and not John. Because I'll give answer for that. It's a serious thought. In the smallest groups, I have to recognize, man, I, my job is to come so full of the Holy Spirit that, that because it sets, it sets a precedent, 
It sets an atmosphere. It sets an attitude. Do you, do you recognize that? When I say you have two troughs that you eat from, folks, here's, it works in the, in the cricket in the most simple term. Right now, you're eating from a trough. And I, I, the trough better be of the Holy Spirit because when you leave here, you'll reflect what trough you've just eaten from. Mm. So let, me, let me finish up then. The last one in Wellcheck would just simply be the benefit of a renewed mind. Tell me if this doesn't sound good. The benefit or the reason you want a renewed mind, because when you have a renewed mind, you're able to live the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many of you pray for that? Want that? that can, is it fair to say, anybody, your number one desire in life would be to live in the perfect will of God? If you love Jesus, I mean, that should be a slam dunk, huh? That's, that's not even a debatable issue. All right, here, here's a thought. Do you agree God never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, right? God, God's not fickle. Aren't you glad God doesn't get in a bad mood? Now think about that, and I'm not... Aren't you glad he doesn't get in a bad mood? Aren't you glad God doesn't, you know, wake up just like, you know what? I've had it. I'm, I'm grateful that God never says that to me. You know what? I'm grateful God is scandalously merciful to me. If you knew how merciful he was to me, most people would think it's foolishness, but that's how merciful God is to all of us. God never changes. Okay, this is true. How we see and understand God is what changes. The renewed mind sees, quote unquote, God differently. This is the benefit of a renewed mind. It sees God differently. Why are some people God haters? Why are they God haters? Let me quantify it in a small, bite-sized chunk. The answer to why some people are God-haters while some people are God-lovers is found right here in this statement. They either have or do not have a renewed mind. When the mind is not renewed, it's at war with God. The Bible says that. It's at war with Him. When it's become renewed... We are at peace with him. Why are some people God-haters? It is found in this right here. How about this? Don't know if you've lived long enough to experience this or know it to be true. But this, this, would be, this would be something that I would tell you, think about this, digest this, and, and get this. Arguing with a person will not renew their mind evangelism that is based on let me out argue you is not effective memorizing the five the romans road the romans road is a powerful expression of what god's done for us but just because you can memorize it and out quote the guy arguing with you does not mean you won 
only a renewed mind. Arguing with a person doesn't, it doesn't renew the mind. How about this then? What we believe, we attract. What we disbelieve, we repel. What we believe, we attract. What we disbelieve, we repel. This is why the renewed mind becomes so important. Until the mind is renewed, that we reject so much of what God has for us because we're not in line. We don't think right. And what happens when the mind is renewed? Suddenly we begin to see. Have you ever experienced that? Where you, you're reading a scripture, and then when God renews your mind over an issue, you could have read that scripture for years and not seen the truth of it. All of a sudden he renews your mind, and you see the truth of it. I remember in, in Matthew, uh, Jesus talking, I, I, was, I was raised such a legalist. And this was a powerful thing that happened to me. Jesus makes this statement. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of a Pharisee, you'll never go to heaven. And as a legalist, if your mind's not renewed, as a legalist, here's how you read that scripture. I've got to be better than a guy that's good at being better. Do you get that? So you take off and you begin. So a, a Pharisee kept 600 plus laws. So if, you're, if your righteousness has to exceed that person's righteousness to make it to heaven, you've got to keep 601 law. Do you, you get what I'm saying? So you, you're on this trip of, I've got to be better. And that's not what he's teaching. What he's actually teaching is, unless you find a righteousness that is better than a man's righteousness, you're never going to make it to heaven. Why did I read that scripture thinking I've got to be better than a law keeper rather than recognizing God offers to me his righteousness? We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Do, am I making sense? Because I'm looking out here and I don't know if I've lost you in this. But what I'm trying to say is ultimately, until your mind is renewed, you'll read that scripture like, I've got to work harder. And then when your mind is renewed, all of a sudden you realize, I don't have to work harder. I need to let God live this in my life. I need to accept his mercy and grace. I need to participate in this relationship so that I have his righteousness. Now, why is that so hard? Because the mind is not renewed. So then we argue in church with each other. Maybe as a pastor, maybe I say that, and that's why you're not getting it. But I spent years in debate. This is why churches split. Let's argue over the meaning of a scripture. Arguing never renews a person's mind. <laughs> uh, you don't know how good it is, because... I think you should be passed out on the floor. That's how good I was. I, I was really good. Um, <clears throat> how about this? An area we need to change our thinking about? The nature of God. You know, I, I tell you, the number one place every believer needs to consistently be renewed in their mind, you need to be renewed in your mind in the very nature of God. Who he is, how he thinks, what he says, how he feels, how he does what he does. That's where you want to have your mind renewed. Let me give you a great illustration. This, this, I will say this today. Uh, people will hear this all weekend long. Uh, it'll be replayed however, whenever. And regardless of that, this will happen every time. I'm going to, I'll make this statement. Here's, here's my statement. Um, God does not send 
disease in your life to teach you any lesson. And I will promise you right now, in our crowd, there are people in here who disagree with me because disappointment is the mother of bad theology. Their experience has been elevated above scriptural proof. And their minds are not renewed over the issue, so listen to me. So here will be the thing. So I'll say that statement, and inevitably somebody will walk up to me and say, um, God gave me this to teach me. And then I'm forced in, do I argue with them? And I've recognized this over the year, arguing with somebody does not renew their mind. It's something God has to show them. Uh, so let, me, let me give you great proof here. Um, agree with me on this statement. Jesus healed everyone who asked to be healed. He healed everyone who asked to be healed. Are you not sure? Yes or no? He healed everyone who asked him for healing. Everyone. If Jesus is a healer, you agree with that? But then you go, the Father puts disease on people, but the Son heals diseases. Let me theologically tell you what you've just said. You have said that the Son is diametrically opposed to the Father because the work of the Son becomes the opposite of the work of the Father. And here's what Jesus taught. A house divided against itself cannot stand. How silly is it to believe that God gives disease while Jesus takes disease away? Does that make any sense? All right, so, so follow then. Let, let, me, let me point this out to you. How many storms did Jesus bless? How many? Be bold and say it loud. Z row. Jesus never blessed any storm. My Bible says he calms the storm. God can use anything. That, I, that's not a debatable issue. God can use anything. But God, God does not bless storms. God stops storms. An area, look at me, an area where we must be renewed in our minds is in the nature of God. Because until we're renewed in our minds about the nature of God, we sit in this little backwater eddy of, of junk, never progressing, because we can't ever come to the understanding that God is really good. And until we really believe that God is good in his very nature, we never move out of the backwater funk we're stuck does this make any sense I mean, paul makes this statement in hebrews he said let's leave the elementary teachings about healing and salvation and being filled with the holy spirit i would say to you most churches today don't consider healing being filled with the Holy Spirit to be elementary. They're like these massive things that we can't ever get to and conquer. And here Paul calls them element. Let's leave the elementary teachings so we could really move on to the great thing God has for us. And until we are renewed in our mind about the nature of God, 
never move past these elementary. What things wait for us every day that God wants to bring us in? Tom, what powerful things wait for us? And we just sit here and argue about junk instead of letting our minds be renewed. What if it got renewed even right now to just believe that God is good in everything that he does? Until your mind is renewed, listen, it's an indictment, but it's a loving indictment. Until your mind is renewed, your life will not change. So if the prayer is, God, change my life, I think God's answer to you might be, you need to be transformed. Your mind must be renewed. Here's, here's my conclusion. The examined life allows us to measure or to see transformation and renewal. If we're not measuring, then all we're doing, like I said, is kind of hanging out in that backwater slough. And God wants to get you out of that. That's a pattern. That, that's a curse, not a blessing. So man, how would, you, how would you take that and end that message right there? Because here's, here's where, gosh, a message like this starts so wide up here but you get to the end of it, and it narrows so, just like, because very narrow. How would you, if you're in my place right now, Jill, how, how, would you, how do you end this message? I mean, do you just pray, God bless you, be warm and well-fed, you know? Do you, you just dismiss people? I mean, what do you do? My thought is we would give opportunity to engage God so that our minds have a chance to be transformed. Huh? The hunger and thirst of the righteous would be, God, help me, change me, speak to me, move my mind. You know, can I, can I say this too? I think the longer we wait for that in our lives, the more difficult it becomes. How many pleas have you heard over the years To let God renew and to let God have. So I just stand up again believing our only hope is if God renews our minds. Heaven is done because of the work of Jesus. This is not who wants to go to heaven. This is who wants to have abundant life. Who wants to have abundant life? Mm. Okay. So here's how we'll do it. We can only reflect. We can only engage so that the possibility happens. So I'm going to invite our worship team to get in place and at all of our campuses, however our pastors want to close out the message, however they choose to allow the Holy Spirit to engage our campuses, that's great. Here, this is what I would like us to do. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet right now. Guys, we believe that our only hope is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not even in our decisions. 
Our hope is that our God is good and that our God is faithful and that our God is able. He is able. And as I just think right now, there, there are just are three distinct things that I want to pray for. First one is this. Are you at a place in your life where you can see, actively detect God is, is, God is moving. God is, is their transformation is happening. You can see God doing something and it is just, there's no doubt in your mind, God is causing a collision, his world and your world right now. And you're just like, Pastor, pray for me today because I want to get this. I want to see this happen. You can, listen, you can identify when you examine it, when you look at it, you can identify what God is doing in your life and you just say, John, pray for me because I want this thing to come to a completion of my life. So if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right now. So I, I can identify it. Yeah, but if you saw what I see right now and how many people that is, you, you'd know. I want you to leave your hands there for a moment. Father, as each one identifies this course, this direction, this path, listen to me. Some of you right now, this is the type of message God may cause a direction change in what you do for a living. God may cause a direction change in what you do with your future. God may be speaking to you right now about something that is so fundamentally challenging, but right now you see the answer. You know what you need to do. Change is happening. I pray the grace of God fall on you. That it just pour in your heart right now. It just bathe you. That it just marinate your heart. Here's what I pray. Shut the natural mind down right now and allow the Holy Spirit... To give you a new mind, new thoughts, new creativity, new imagination, new understanding. Straightforward. Brand new. Okay, the second thing that I would identify at our campuses today and with all of our folks, regardless of where your age is at, where you're coming from, just want to hit this one right here. Through each message, I have felt the Holy Spirit compel me to speak to it. You're stuck. As you examine your life, you cannot see the collision course between your world and God's world. You cannot detect what God is doing. You, 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 you don't know what to do. You don't have options because you don't see any options. In fact, maybe, maybe, the word, uh, maybe the word would just be, I feel more helpless. Not hopeless, but just helpless. Like nothing is happening, and I've, I'm stuck. Here's, here's what I would say to you. God wants to engage your life right now because it is not his will that you are stuck. He wants you to enter into abundant life. He has given you the right to do that. The enemy may have figured out a strategy that has hindered you, here's what I know to be true. 
what the enemy has intended for evil, God right now is going to use for good. And when I say we need our minds renewed to the nature of God, this, folks, this is where it's practical. You need to believe that God is good. Not going to leave you in the position that you're in right now. And so if that is you and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me today? I need God to do that. I want you, hands straight up right now. Be bold. Pray for me. It's where I see God in my life. Good, good, good. I thank you for your honesty. And I thank you. I want you to know right now, I think that God is attracted to boldness. He's attracted to that. Something in his heart is triggered for it. For you right now. I pray the Holy Spirit, he would free you. According to Luke chapter 4, the ministry of Jesus is to set at liberty any captive. And I speak freedom over your life, freedom over your mind, freedom over your heart right now. You know, as I'm standing here, I just hear the word wound, and I don't know why, but I speak right now healing over any wound that has just caused you to be stuck in your life. Any wound that has held you, that that has captured you, or captivated you. Captivated you. I speak right now freedom over that thing. So I break that in the name of Jesus. At all of our campuses right now, as you respond, folks at Castle Rock and Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, Lone Tree, I don't care where you're listening, freedom is the word that I speak to you right now. Freedom. Freedom. So the last one then that I just speak and would just call out and identify would just be, with a tender heart I say this, with a tender heart. If you, Holy Spirit help me say it right. If you're an older person, And you find yourself unable. And I, I, why the Lord would have me single this out, I don't know. It, it certainly is not to embarrass or to cause any discomfort. But I just felt like what I said, the longer we wait to act on it, the more difficult it becomes in our life. So that at times we can find ourselves Year after year after year has gone by, and we're just unable. Unable. Maybe the word would be paralysis, not the stuck thing. It's paralysis, just somehow the years have gone by. And, and maybe, here's how I would describe it, you feel, you feel ripped off. You feel empty. You feel jaded, discouraged. I don't want to, in any way, shape, or form, and I mean this, so listen how I'm going to do it. You don't need to respond to me. God knows your heart. If this is the cry of your heart, if you just feel despondent, if you just feel like it didn't work out, 
like I thought it was going to work out. If, if your words would be, I feel like, you know, I've, I've come towards the last part of my life and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I believe that the Lord wants to renew your mind so that the way you're able to see God and talk to God and visit God and enjoy God, it needs to be changed so that the enemy doesn't end up with the jewel. God has something special. I am not just talking. I am not trying to elaborate. I am speaking. It may be just to an individual. But you feel ripped off. The Lord wants to renew your mind. Because he has something for you. You can't get it. Unless your mind is renewed so that you're able to see it. You're able to embrace it. You're able to walk towards it. You're able to understand it. So, Father, for every person, man or woman, who that would be true of, who would find themselves feeling like, as I come to the end, it just didn't work out. God doesn't want to leave you in that place. Discouragement is not from the Holy Spirit. God has not given you a spirit of discouragement and fear. He gives you a spirit of power and of a sound mind. That word sound right there, that's that transformed mind. And I just pray over your life right now that you'd allow the Holy Spirit to renew you and to bathe you in love and in mercy and grace and in truth. That God would just help you right now. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.